Hello, I'm Bill Sisson, Executive Director of WBCSD North America, and welcome to another edition of Transformative Leadership in Business. Today, I'm being joined by Yusuf George, Managing Director of Programs and Strategic Engagement with Just Capital. Thanks for joining me today, Yusuf. Bill, thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate being here. Today's conversation is going to be amazing because we're going to be touching on Just Capital's work on their corporate racial equity tracker. We'll talk a bit more about that shortly. But just as a backdrop, given really the many serious events over the last year and probably even beforehand that has spotlighted discrimination and racial inequities, this topic has landed clearly and directly in the C-suite and boardrooms for many companies. And frankly, it's about time. But as we know with our members, it's also a topic which many companies are challenged to find the real solutions needed by business to tackle these issues. So Yusuf, tell me a little bit about Just Capital and your role. Just Capital is a 501c3 nonprofit, and our mission is to build a more just economy that works for all Americans by helping companies improve how they serve all of their stakeholders. This concept of stakeholder capitalism, ensuring that companies are not only protecting the interests of their shareholders, but really have the interests of their workers, customers, communities, the environment, and their shareholders. We do this by really asking the American public, what does it mean to be a just company? So we spend a lot of time doing both qualitative and quantitative analysis based on the feedback from the American public to really understand how companies are performing on just issues. So things like fair and living wages, protecting employees' benefits, ensuring that they have great DEI practices, that they're protecting the environment, they're treating customers fairly, again, all while having really great governance policies and protecting their shareholders. So that's the core of what we do at Just Capital. Diversity, equity, and inclusion, DE&I, they're big topics in the boardroom these days. Can you tell us a little bit about the corporate racial equity tracker you launched? What is it intended to track? And perhaps even take a few moments to tell us why you put this in place. I'll start with this. The American public believes that corporations play a defining role in, in helping to shape our nation. So based on our research, 70% of Americans saying that corporate leaders should be taking a stand on important social issues. And as I mentioned, our mission is to build a more just economy that works for all Americans. And obviously, that includes communities of color. Over the course of the last year, with the racial reckoning that happened in this country, COVID-19 and the impacts on Black and brown communities, we really wanted to stand up a way to show how companies were fulfilling the commitments that they've made to protect Black and brown employees, the communities that they operate in, and in society at large. We created a corporate racial equity tracker that helps corporate leaders, investors, employees understand the state of diversity, equity, inclusion, disclosure in corporate America today, and how companies are following through on their commitments to advance racial equity in their workplaces and communities. What we have analyzed is we looked at the 100 largest employers in the Russell 1000 universe, and we are tracking six dimensions of racial equity, things like pay equity, racial and ethnic diversity data, education and training programs, how companies are responding to mass incarceration, what, what are they doing when it comes to anti-discrimination policies and, and community investments? And I'll say one of the key takeaways that we have from this data is that it's really interesting that companies are likely to disclose baseline policies, things like 
We have policies around anti-harassment. We are an equal opportunity employer. When it comes down to brass tacks and how they're actually advancing equity and taking real actions on it, doing things like a pay equity analysis by race or ethnicity or, or setting quantitative diversity targets, we are seeing far less disclosure on those issues to the tune of less than 30% of those companies are doing that. Why do you think that is? Do you have any hypothesis as to why we're strong on the policies, but kind of weak on the accountability side? I think the reality is that companies are, to a degree, fearful of being transparent about their journey. And this is something that we've heard in interviews with C-suite leaders, that companies know that there's work to be done, but are fearful of making mistakes. And it comes back to something that you know you and I talked about before we hit record, which was how individual this conversation is, how work needs to be done internally before work can be done at scale. And so I'd argue that companies are in a position where they know that they have to get it right because they know that it impacts not only the bottom line, but it also impacts their employees, right? An employee doesn't want to go and work for a company where they may face discrimination or harassment. They don't want to go and work at a company where they're going to be making inequitable wages. So these things are, are really, really important. It is just so critical that companies are transparent about how they're progressing on these actions because we know that, again, employees aren't willing in this moment to sit at a company that doesn't respect their values. And by I say, when I say value, I mean like their actual value, how much they're getting paid, who they are, what they believe in. So I think that that's what's happening in this moment. Thank you for sharing that insight. And I've been in the private sector 30 years, and I would say there has been this transition to more stakeholder-oriented accountability for the major corporations. And I think employees are clearly raising their voice on these issues. So couldn't agree more. I think that the tracker itself, the information you compiled was put out this past April. What kind of reaction have you had? How is it being communicated to corporate America? And what, what kind of reaction have you had? The reaction has been great so far. I think that both companies and their stakeholders, investors, employees, folks who operate at a community level are really interested in understanding, well, are companies honoring their commitments or not? <laughs> like, Really, you know, it's been a year out. What are they doing? And so this tracker has been such a, a useful resource because it points directly to how companies are performing some of these issues. And again, just to, to highlight a few data points, when it comes to companies responding to mass incarceration, things like having a re-entry program for formerly incarcerated individuals, out of the 100 largest, there are only nine companies who have a policy on that. When it comes to doing a pay equity analysis by race or ethnicity, only 31 companies have done it, but only 14 have actually been transparent about the pay gap between white and non-white employees. And we've only seen 29 companies set quantitative diversity targets out of that 100. When it comes to anti-harassment policies, <laughs> nearly 100% of companies have it. So there's this really interesting difference. So for their stakeholders, they want to know, well, why is it that companies aren't doing these things when they made a commitment to support Black lives, when they made a commitment to protect Black employees? That's where we are currently. And I'd say when it comes down to it, this is really a conversation around dignity and respect. How do you respect the most important stakeholder sure. of your company, which is your workforce? Are you providing them with the support, both economically and wage-wise, to support themselves and their families? How are you respecting them and dignifying them in this way? 
I agree. I mean, dignity and respect are really at the core of the issue. And these six dimensions you refer to, and thanks for shining a light on where we've got some work to do, clearly, as corporate America to get arms around this. And you mentioned the Black Lives Matter movement and putting this in perspective. What do you think would be a success in this context for corporate America? Where do you see a true successful outcome? I don't know if it's five years from now, 10 years from now, but what do you think what that looks like? There's two key things that we are always pushing for. One is more transparency. And transparency is really important because you can't measure progress without that transparency. And transparency leads to change. One of our partners, PolicyLink, who's been doing deep racial equity work at the policy level for decades, put out a report. So PolicyLink put out a report with McKinsey. It said, if we continue on the current trajectory, it'll take about 95 years for Black employees to reach talent parity. And that means 12% representation across all levels of the private sector. Well, <laughs> that is insane because we're at year zero right now. This is why this, this matters so much. 95 years is, is absolutely insane. And their CEO, Michael McAfee, PolicyLink CEO, he emphasized on a call recently that companies have a skill set that's really unique for this moment. They have the ability at the societal level to really impact and influence change from the, the nation's laws and regulations to their will. So the real question is, how are they going to use their influence in service of advancing equity in the response to the Black Lives Matter movement? So, so transparency is one, because you need that marker to hold companies accountable. The second thing that I would love to see over time is companies really adopting a holistic approach to thinking about racial equity, how it impacts the products that they create, how it impacts the wages that they give. When they think about community investment, it's not just about providing a donation, but really working closely with community leaders, really taking a holistic approach to adapting a racial equity standard with across their, the entirety of their organization, including their businesses. So for me, that would be one of the goals that I hope to see in, in the course of the next five to 10 years. I just one last point here, talking specifically about the Black Lives Matter movement. It is likely the largest movement in our nation's history. There were over 20 million people protesting over the course of last summer and longer than that. And it even went global. Right? I remember reports of the movement in London and, and Johannesburg, Colombia. The idea really is that there needs to be change at a policy level, like local, state and federal. But also corporate leaders have this really important advantage because you'll see things like the Edelman Trust Barometer that says that businesses are more trusted than policy right now. And so stakeholders, employees, customers are looking to business leaders to really help to shape what the change in the nation is going to be, right? And I'm not just talking about through racial equity. I'm just talking about creating an equitable nation for us all. So, so I think that that's one really, really important factor here. Corporate leadership and business writ large are really at the core of finding solution to some of these problems. And I totally agree the transparency element is critical, as is the approaches that are taken as a result. Mm -hmm. So let's talk on the positive side for a second. Not that we've been talking on the negative side, but you mentioned there are some companies out there that are demonstrating real regard for being accountable. What did your research show you in terms of best practices that some of these companies have adopted? Can you talk a little bit about that in those weaker areas that are still evolving? 
the, the way in which we've approached this is we've looked at it more holistically. Out of the six different dimensions, there are 18 companies that have at least one disclosure or policy addressing all six. And while that number seems low, you have to think about real leadership, right? People who are taking a stand to say, this is something that I'm committed to, this is something that I care about, and it's something that is important for all of our stakeholders, primarily our employees. So companies like Procter & Gamble and Intel and PepsiCo and Microsoft show real leadership on some of these actions, not just the commitments, right? Many companies will make commitments, but on actions. Pepsi is a good example. They have conducted annual pay equity analysis to ensure that their employees are paid equitably. And I mean, this is even for their frontline workers. They've set hiring targets by 2025 because they, they recognize that there's a gap between middle management and executive leadership in terms of representation. So they've actually set specific quantifiable goals. Microsoft is a leader when it comes to almost everything that we measure. They, they've actually been the number one just company for the last three years running. They're great at being transparent about where they're going. They're another good example. And then I'd highlight Procter & Gamble because they think about equity, not just for their people, but also for how they utilize their marketing prowess. Right? So they've been able to stand up some really incredible resources for having conversations around equity at a societal level and have provided tools and resources to be able to do that also. So there are a lot of companies who are thinking about this really holistically. And there's no company that's perfect, but they're a model for where we should be going, how we should be advancing. Interestingly enough, those three companies also happen to be members of WBCSD. So thank you for, for, for bringing those into the discussion. But I think what we try to represent as an organization and sort of gets at where you're going with this is we talk about WBCSD as a place for pre-competitive collaboration around these very difficult, complex issues that no one company can solve on their own. And when you take the consumer brands of Pepsi, PepsiCo, Procter & Gamble, meshed with sort of the, the technology of Microsoft, and you bring those conversations together and sort of share best practices around what are we doing to tackle these, these issues, I think you'll see a scaling of change. We'll evolve around that. If they can do that, why can't I? I also think that there is a, a deep level of authenticity that some of the, the brands that I just mentioned bring to the table. Really, again, going back to the conversation we had around talent and values, right? These companies have been very transparent about their core values and beliefs and integrating this level of authenticity to their business. And so that's one really important piece as business leaders think about, well, how is it that I'm going to do this work, <laughs> right? It starts with authenticity. Where are you right now? Because we recognize that it is a journey. B-School taught me you can't change unless you understand where you are. And mm -hmm. so that's a, a really important state of the state we're in at the moment. And I think companies are trying to figure out what's the right way forward. And I do believe your earlier point about being fearful of advancing their position without clear direction is part of the issue right now. But when you've got these companies out there that you're recognizing as putting good practices in place, I think that's the start of the, the change and transformation we're looking for. We, we've been doing a lot of work with PolicyLink and FSG around this idea and this concept around there, there isn't currently a North Star. When we talk about ESG, you know, there's a set of general standards out there and practices, but there's, there's not necessarily a North Star. When it comes to racial equity specifically, there, there's none. 
that exists. So we put out, Just Capital Policy Lincoln FSG put out a CEO blueprint for racial equity. We released it last year and we really took a look at, well, what are the steps and the actions companies should be taking to advance equity within their company, within the communities that they operate in and at the societal level? We released that. It was great. We heard from some really large national brands, you know, household names that they used that blueprint to transform their racial equity strategy overall. And these are some companies that have invested billions of dollars into, into the movement. That was really great to hear. We are releasing a second version in a week. And what we've done is we've spent a lot of time talking to activists and, and, and advocates, racial equity advocates. We've spent a lot of time talking to investors because we know that investors really care about these issues in a way that they've not thought deeply about them or even in their investment strategies prior to a few years ago. We've spoken to large corporations. We, we really wanted to get some good, solid feedback on what are the things that are missing? What are the areas that you'd like to see? And so we're coming out with the second blueprint for 2021. And that that is going to lead to standards, a set of racial equity standards are North Star to saying, if we're talking about equitable pay as it relates to racial equity, or if we're talking about equitable pay as it relates to frontline workers, you know, like this is this is how we approach it. To your point about not having a North Star, this is the work that we're doing in this moment. Oh, thanks for shining a light on what sounds like a great piece of work. And we'll definitely post in our podcast context the, the CEO Blueprint 1.0 for easy mm-hmm. reference. And then hopefully 2.0 by the time we're out there with this and and make that available to those that are that are interested. That's really important. And we as an organization, WBCSD was the earliest of organizations to work with WRI to stand up the greenhouse mm-hmm. gas protocol. And we've been very active on other protocols for human rights and nature. So, I mean, these are, these are natural fits and we'll certainly look to the the CEO blueprints that you're referring to as context that we can help to amplify as well in this work. Because you're right, the corporate leadership wants access to these kinds of information so they can start to understand how they transact on these issues. Let's broaden the topic a little bit. And as we talk about diversity, equity, and inclusion, it's a very broad topic. And the spectrum is quite large. And given just capital's broader emphasis on these issues, what do you think will enable more broad transition that we need to see across the entire DE&I spectrum? Any, any thoughts on that to share? Can I challenge you to even think bigger than that across the model of stakeholder capitalism more generally? Sure, absolutely. Because DEI is definitely a component of it, as is racial equity, and as we've talked about for some length. But when we think about stakeholder capitalism and the model for it, we have tons of of research. And I mentioned some of the polling earlier where corporate America said, sorry, sorry, the American public said that companies should be taking a stand on important social issues. We've also heard that companies, that the American public believes that companies should continue to be be just about their practices, right? And and so we've seen this movement happen over the course of the last five to 10 years. And so to your question around how do we adopt these practices, it really is about being true and fair to what you're doing, but also having a system of accountability that holds you to being more just. A lot of investors are making investment decisions based upon how companies are being just or holding true to their values. And we're in a moment where it's not on companies to just be talking about it, but really to be showing how actionable they are. 
So in the past, companies were often really focused on environmental metrics and being transparent about that. Now the bar has moved. It has shifted a lot to societal related metrics. So while climate remains one of the top things that employees are asking about, they're pushing their companies on, uh, and also customers, we know that these societal issues like fair paying benefits, like parental leave, wages are all really important markers of how companies should be protecting, again, you know, the values and the respect, the dignity of their workers. And that's something we hear year in and year out from the American public about how important that is for companies to be just and fair and inclusive. We certainly see the investor community waking up to that context in terms of how they value companies, how they look at companies for how well prepared they are to manage risks, how resilient they are down for taking their businesses forward. COVID shown a real strong light on the leaders and laggards in the context of how well we were prepared as a business community for that issue. And not to mention the unjust element of how that also shone a light on those that were most vulnerable to these issues. I think when we talk about a just transition and just capital's role and work, it really is looking at these risks, these environmental risks, these nature risks, these social risks, and understanding the role of business to make sure no one is left behind. We can, as a collective voice of business leadership, work together to understand how we're going to address all three of these issues in some meaningful way. During COVID last year, we just capital stood up a COVID-19 corporate response tracker. And that was really important because we looked at how companies were protecting their employees and their customers and, and the communities that they're in as it related to COVID, things like how are they providing PPE? What are the benefits that they're providing to their workforces? These are things that were important because COVID was obviously this global pandemic that no one could have expected. But what it did for stakeholder capitalism is really elevated the conversation around how are you protecting how are you valuing frontline workers? How are you protecting your workforce in general? And the way we always approach it is from a perspective of data, using data and analysis to help shine a light on what true leadership looks like. And also in this moment of where there wasn't very much data yet because it was COVID-19 and it was all new, saying to companies, well, this is what we're seeing. This is how leading companies are actually enforcing these rules. This is what you should be taking away from it. And we have really engaged companies on changing really big policies and extending hazard pay for employees, like things that are really critical to everyday modern workers. And so so for that, I'm, I'm really excited about the work that we do. We are certainly an organization that believes that companies need to practice the highest level of transparency around these issues so that they can be truly evaluated by the financial community that's investing in them, rewarding them with a lower cost of capital, increased investor confidence. And you know, these companies that are practicing full tilt on these ESG issues are going to benefit in the long run. And that's why the companies you mentioned earlier, PepsiCo, P&G, Microsoft, are taking these issues seriously. And they are being rewarded in some sense, for their transparency on these actions. Yosef, I feel like we've just scratched the surface, and of course, we probably just have, but uh, you're doing some amazing work at Just Capital, and I really appreciate you taking time. Any closing thoughts or comments, things we didn't talk about that deserve a little more of attention? No, the model of stakeholder capitalism is here to stay. <laughs> I'd say that much, and 
we we have a ton of data and analysis for anyone who is interested. Thank you so much. And we are a huge fan of your work and we'll continue to find ways to partner and, of course, amplify the great work that Just Capital is doing in our work. Stakeholder capitalism, we believe it's here to stay. It's part of our Vision 2050 framework around reinvention of what stakeholder contexts mean for business and certainly the relevance of this as we walk our way or perhaps run our way to 2050, which is just around the corner.